welcome to Beyond Sunday, a podcast from Northfield Church where we have a conversation about lessons from Sunday's message, about the ways God is working in our lives and and in our community, and just talk about all things Northfield. My name is Ryan Alcott. I'm the group's pastor here at Northfield. And unfortunately, my co-host, Laura Lambert, is not with me today. Um, If you've been around Northfield the past couple of weeks, you know that this week is Night to Shine week. Night to Shine, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, is a prom for our friends with special needs. It is a magical night where we get to just pour out God's love onto this community. And so Laura is tied up with uh, all the prep for that. So she's not with us today, but we are excited uh, for this podcast. This is just the second episode of Beyond Sunday. And we want this to be a conversation with you about ways that we can take what we talked about on Sunday and carry it out through the week. Um, so, so that, the lesson we hear on Sunday uh, from from Pastor Tom or from Trent or whoever is is uh, teaching that Sunday, where we can take what we've heard and, and apply it to our lives, apply it to our walk as we go to work, as we spend time with our family, and so uh, that is kind of our heart behind this podcast. If you were with us yesterday, then you know that uh, we have started to dive back into the Sermon on the Mount in a series we're calling Upside Down Kingdom. A reminder, as always, you can always go back and re-watch our Sunday messages on our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and, and just search Northfield Church Gallatin, uh, will be the top result that pops up and you can find our channel and all of past messages on there. And I would be remiss, uh, Laura would uh, not be happy with me, If I did not say, be sure to like and subscribe to our channel so that you are notified whenever new content is released on our YouTube channel. Yesterday, we we started to dive back into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, looking specifically at Matthew chapter 6. And this was a, a powerful message from Tom and a timely one as we prepare for Night to Shine. You see, Matthew chapter 6 starts off with a really powerful command from Jesus, a warning where he says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. I love where Tom went with that in in comparing it to Jesus instructions. Just a few, few verses earlier in chapter five, verse 16, where Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And, and so that on the face of it can create some tension. Okay. So do I, how do I let my light shine if I'm not practicing my righteousness in front of others? Like is everything done in secret or am I allowed to do it in public? And I love where Tom went with that, that it's okay to give where others can see it, but it's not okay to give so that others see it. That Jesus command in uh, Matthew six is about your motive. Why are you doing the things you do? And, and and he looked at the examples of giving of prayer and of fasting. And he said, you know, it's okay to give, but it's not okay to give so that you get rec- recognition for it. 
it's okay to pray, but it's not okay to pray so that others see you and think, oh man, that is a very spiritual person. It's okay to fast, but it's not okay to fast so that others have a higher opinion of you. The main heart of Jesus' message in, in Matthew chapter six is, is what is your motivation behind it? And, and he pointed back to Matthew chapter five, verse 16, because the key is in that verse is let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Are we doing things to bring ourselves glory or are we doing these things to bring God the glory? Oftentimes I think that is where we get into trouble. Uh, when, when we are doing things to put ourselves first, we're doing things so that others see it and, and think, Oh man, that, that is a great person. This is a good guy. You know, I, I just love her heart for others. If that's the recognition we're trying to get, then, then Jesus is clear. You have received your reward in full already. But that's not what God is calling us to. Ultimately, when we serve others, when we love others, when we care for others, ultimately, the heart in that is that God gets the glory, not us. And so I especially love what Tom brought out in chapter six, verse one, that phrase, practice your righteousness. It has a connection in the original language to the idea of theater, of performance, of actors. And Jesus goes on in verse two and talks about the hypocrites. And 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 Tom brought out this this deeper connection that we might not get now that Jesus listeners 2000 years ago would have understood fully that, that the Greek word for hypocrite there is one who wears a mask and it was often used to refer to actors in plays in the theater. And, and so Jesus command here isn't don't do good at all. It's don't let it be a performance. I want your heart to genuinely be motivated to pray. I want your heart to, to genuinely be motivated to fast. I want your heart to genuinely be motivated to give to others. Don't do it just to put on a show. Don't do it for recognition, but do it so that because your heart is in it and so that God can get the glory. So that, that's just a little bit. I want to encourage you to dive a little deeper in this week of, am I putting on a show? Am I doing this for recognition for my own sake? Or am I doing it that God might be glorified? Because I, I love what Tom touched on at the end, the story of John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist's disciples came to him and they said, hey, Jesus is starting to... to to make waves and get recognition. What's going on, John? And, and John says, he's the one I told you about. He must increase and I must decrease. Ultimately, that should be the cry of all of our hearts, of all of our lives, that, that Christ might increase. That when people see us, they don't see Ryan, but they see Christ living in me. That the, the glory that comes is not my own glory, but, but that it is God's and that in all things, people might be able to say, wow, God worked in mighty ways because ultimately that is what it's about. And so the question for you to take through the week is what is your motivation? 
when you give, when you serve, when you pray, when you fast, when you live out your faith in daily life? Is it so that others can see you and say, oh man, they are a really spiritual person? Or is it so that God might be glorified in you? Hey, uh, one of the things we, we like to do on this podcast is give a couple of recommendations of things we're reading, things we're listening to. And, and one of the things I, I want to recommend, you know, wh- what I'm listening to is I want to recommend an album that I think really ties in with this whole series of, of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, this theme of God making all things new and his kingdom come here on earth as in heaven. And it is an album called All Things New by um, a group called KXC. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, KXC is is actually a church in King's Cross in London. Uh, And this is a live worship album they put together. Uh, I think it really just captures the heart of the prayer that that we're going to be looking at a little bit more next week, Jesus' prayer that your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to encourage you, check that album out. It's a powerful worship album that, like I said, really captures, I think, where we're headed as a church. Uh, two recommendations. I actually have two recommendations because they're, they're really short of things to read this week. They both come out of a community called La Arch. Uh, and La Arch is a living community for people with special needs. And it it's a place where they can come and know that they can belong and grow. It is a powerful community. And there are La Arch communities around the world. And so the first a recommendation I have for you is is a book by the founder of uh, La Arche by the name of Jean Vanier. It's called The Scandal of Service. I think as we prepare this week for Night to Shine, it's good to look at how Jesus modeled humility and service in his actions at the Last Supper by washing his disciples' feet. This is one of those books that, that I keep coming back to at, at, at times in my life that reminds me what what service looks like and, and tied in with our, our our message from the week, what my heart's posture should look like in serving. And the second book uh, is, is a book by Henry Nowen called In the Name of Jesus. And just a little bit more about this, and, and I actually want to read an extended passage out of this because I think you'll see why I'm recommending it this week. Henry Nowen was a Ivy League professor. Um, he, he taught at uh, Harvard Divinity School. Uh, he's a priest. And um, he left it all behind to go serve at a large community in Toronto called Daybreak. And so I want to read you just a passage, a story from his book, In the Name of Jesus, which is his reflections on service and Christian leadership and ministry. And it's a challenge uh, to us. This is a story he tells to frame up uh, his work in the name of Jesus. He says, I must tell you, the readers of this little book, that I did not go to Washington, D.C. by myself. 
As I was preparing my presentation, I became deeply aware of the fact that Jesus did not send his disciples out alone to preach the word. He sent them two by two. I began to wonder why nobody was planning to go with me. If my present life is truly a life among people with special needs, why not ask one of them to join me on the journey and to share the ministry with me? After some consultation, the Daybreak community decided to send Bill Van Buren with me. Since my arrival at Daybreak, Bill and I had become good friends. Of all the people in the house, he was the most able to express himself with words and gestures. From the beginning of our friendship, he had shown a real interest in my work as a priest and had offered to help me during services. One day, he told me that he had not been baptized and expressed a strong desire to belong to the church. I suggested that he join a church program for those who desired baptism. Faithfully, he went to the local church every Thursday evening. Even though the long and often complex presentations and discussions were far beyond his mental capacities, he had a real sense of belonging to the group. He felt accepted and loved. He received much and with his generous heart gave much in return. His baptism confirmation and first communion during the Easter vigil became a real high point in his life. While limited in his ability to express himself with many words, he felt deeply touched by Jesus and knew what it meant to be reborn by water and the Holy Spirit. Often I had told Bill that those who are baptized and confirmed have a new vocation, a vocation to proclaim to others the good news of Jesus. Bill had listened to me carefully, and when I invited him to go with me to Washington, D.C. to speak to priests and ministers, he accepted it as an invitation to join me in my ministry. We are doing this together, he said, at different times in the days before we left. Yes, I kept saying, we are doing this together. You and I are going to Washington to proclaim the gospel. Bill did not for a moment doubt the truth of this. While I was quite nervous about what to say and how to say it, Bill showed great confidence in his task. And while I was still thinking about Bill's trip with me primarily as something that would be nice for him, Bill was, from the beginning, convinced that he was going to help me. I later came to realize that he knew better than I. As we stepped on board the plane in Toronto, Bill reminded me again, we are doing this together, aren't we? Yes, Bill, I said, we sure are. And then Nowen says that this is from the, the prologue, and he says, after telling you what I said in Washington, I will tell you in more detail what happened there and explain to you why Bill's presence most likely had a more lasting influence than my words. And so we're going to go ahead and jump to the epilogue and pick up the story there. Now and says, writing these reflections was one thing, presenting them in Washington, D.C. quite another. When Bill and I had arrived at the Washington airport, we were taken to the Clarendon Hotel in Crystal City a collection of modern, seemingly all-glass high-rise buildings on the same side of the Potomac River as the airport. Both Bill and I were quite impressed by the glittering atmosphere of the hotel. We were both given spacious rooms with double beds, bathrooms with many towels, and cable TV. On the table in Bill's room, there was a basket with fruit. Bill loved it. 
Being a veteran TV watcher, he settled comfortably on his queen-size bed and checked out all the channels with his remote control. But the time for us to bring our good news together came quickly. After a delicious buffet dinner in one of the ballrooms decorated with golden statues and little fountains, Vincent Dwyer introduced me to the audience. At that moment, I still did not know what doing it together with Bill would mean. I opened by saying that I had not come alone, but was very happy that Bill had come with me. Then I took my handwritten text and began my address. At that moment, I saw that Bill had left his seat, walked up to the podium, and planted himself right behind me. It was clear that he had a much more concrete idea about the meaning of doing it together than I did. Each time I finished reading a page, he took it away and put it upside down on a small table close by. I felt very much at ease with this and started to feel Bill's presence as a support. But Bill had more in mind. When I began to speak about the temptation to turn stones into bread as a temptation to be relevant, he interrupted me and said loudly for everyone to hear, I have heard that before. He had indeed, and he just wanted the priests and ministers who were listening to know that he knew me quite well and was familiar with my ideas. For me, however, it felt like a gentle, loving reminder that my thoughts were not as new as I wanted my audience to believe. Bill's intervention created a new atmosphere in the ballroom. Lighter, easier, and more playful. Somehow, Bill had taken away the seriousness of the occasion and had brought to it some homespun normality. As I concluded my presentation, I felt more and more that we were indeed doing it together, and it felt good. When I came to the second part and was reading the words, the question most asked by the people with special needs with whom I live was, are you home tonight? Bill interrupted me again and said, that's right, that's what John Smeltzer always asks. Again, there was something disarming about his remark. Bill knew John Smeltzer very well after living with him in the same house for quite some years. He simply wanted people to know about his friend. It was as if he drew the audience toward us, inviting them into the intimacy of our common life. After I had finished reading my text and people had shown their appreciation, Bill said to me, Henry, can I say something now? My first reaction was, oh no, how am I going to handle this? He might start rambling and create an embarrassing situation. But then I caught myself in my presumption that he had nothing of importance to say. And I said to the audience, will you please sit down? Bill would like to say a few words to you. Bill took the microphone and said with all the difficulties he has in speaking. Last time when Henry went to Boston, he took John Smelter with him. This time he wanted me to come with him to Washington, and I am very glad to be here with you. Thank you very much. That was it. And everyone stood up and gave him warm applause. As we walked away from the podium, Bill said to me, Henry, how did you like my speech? Very much, I answered. Everyone was really happy with what you said. Bill was delighted. As people gathered for drinks, he felt freer than ever. He went from person to person, introduced himself, asked how they liked the evening, and told them all sorts of stories about his life in daybreak. I did not see him for more than an hour. He was too busy getting to know everybody. 
The next morning at breakfast before we left, Bill walked from the table to table with his cup of coffee in his hands and said goodbye to all those he knew from the evening before. It was clear to me that he had made many friends and felt very much at home in these, for him, so unusual surroundings. As we flew back together to Toronto, Bill looked up from the word puzzle book that he takes with him everywhere he goes and said, Henry, did you like our trip? Oh yes, I answered. It was a wonderful trip, and I am so glad you came with me. Bill looked attentively at me and then said, and we did it together, didn't we? Then I realized the full truth of Jesus' words, where two or three meet in my name, I am among them. In the past, I had always given lectures, sermons, addresses, and speeches by myself. I had often wondered how much of what I said would be remembered. Now it dawned on me that most likely much of what I said would not be long remembered, but that Bill and I doing it together would not be easily forgotten. I hoped and prayed that Jesus, who had sent us out together and had been with us all during the journey, would have become really present to those who had gathered in the Clarendon Hotel in Crystal City. As we landed, I said to Bill, Bill, thanks so much for coming with me. It was a wonderful trip, and what we did, we did together in Jesus' name. And I really meant it. I hope that gives you just a a small picture into the heart of Henry Nouwen and his work in the name of Jesus. That and Jean Vanier's The Scandal of Service, I believe, are, are two great books that I would recommend to anyone serving this week at night to shine. They, they really, they come from a community built around care for those with special needs. They're good for your heart and good for your soul as you prepare for Friday night. That is the big thing on our horizon right now. I'm sure that we have a lot of other things we'll be talking about in the days and weeks ahead. But for now, I just want to ask that you would pray with us for everyone who's going to be on campus this coming Friday, all of our honored guests, uh, all of their caregivers, all of our volunteers, that in everything on Friday, that all the glory, honor, and praise will go to our Father in heaven, that this would be a place where the kingdom of heaven would break into earth just a little bit more, that as uh, the Celtic Christians like to say that Friday night, it would be a thin place where the barrier between heaven and earth just gets a little bit thinner and the reality of heaven comes to earth a little more tangibly. Let us feel God's presence on Friday and see his kingdom come. Hey, thank you for for listening. I'm excited. Next week, Laura will be back and uh, we'll be talking more about Everything coming up here at Northfield and continuing our series on the Upside Down Kingdom. Have a great week.